Hey, it's a how's it everybody? Welcome back to Freedom Fanatics. My name is Alex, your host today, and as always, my awesome colleagues, first in all black, Eritang this week. We have Sholin and Tiako. We're going to unpack some issues of freedom this week with you guys. So to kick things off, we've got a story uh, that comes out of Gauteng. Um, and this is this is about, you know, your freedom to play. Um, and of course, you know, when it comes to these kind of uh, political stories, there's a whole lot more uh, to unpack. Now, this is this is a pretty, pretty crazy story. Um, as as we we delve into uh, on on freedom genetics, um, and this is from News Twenty Four, and, and this story is about titled "The Cost of Demolishing Mamulodi's Dilapidated HMBJ Stadium Balloons to Eighty Four Million Rand," uh, and that is according to to the DA. Uh, so now I'm just going to share some some stories, uh, sorry, photos rather of of the stadium that uh, that the, that come from the article. And this is, is said stadium that is being demolished. Um, of course, you know, it's, it is run down. Uh, it's not suitable for any sort of sporting uh, activities. Um, and so, yeah. But what is, what is interesting is that the stadium has been uh, earmarked for to be demolished. Um, but already the stadium infrastructure has been stripped bare and steel bleachers, I'm not quoting from the article directly, have been dismantled. The demolition of the concrete stands and rubble removal cannot cost the millions that the department has estimated. Um, so that, that's the first little bit of this. I mean, Sholin, you know, we've spoken a lot about, you know, your freedom to play um, and the, the essential nature of having facilities for people to work in. What are, what are your sort of first thoughts when you, when you came across the story? Yeah, when I hit it, I immediately just thought that 84 million rand just to destroy a stadium. It's stupid and it's such a waste of money. Those were my first immediate thoughts. Because, I mean, with that amount of money, more sports facilities could have been created. I mean, this, the soccer field itself, the Mamelodi Stadium, could have been developed even better. Um, even more soccer fields could have been created with that. Um more teams could have actually been funded with that in the community. But instead, once again, we find ourselves in a situation where um, the ANC are against us destroying instead of building. And my most important question is, who, who in Gauteng is going to be benefiting from that 84 million rand that it costs to destroy the um, stadium? Because I want to know, who's the tender going to? Who's going to get the contract for destroying a valuable um, sporting facility? And I also think another um, important topic, like issue that should also be discussed is also just in general, um, Alex, I don't know. I know you are a soccer fan yourself, but like attendance at many PSL games have been struggling um, a lot um, um, especially over like the last few years where people have not really been showing up to soccer games unless it is massive, um, massive uh, matches. So I also understand that, you know, keeping, getting sustainable funds in to actually keep up these stadiums running is difficult, but I still mm. think that's no excuse um, for destroying a facility that, is, that has been like uh, a historic site for such an important team mm. in South yeah. Africa. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the former home ground of Mamelodi Sundowns, who, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, are at the top of the PSL 
um, at the moment. And I think, but to, to, to just to add on, Sholin, you say, you know, where's this money going? Um, this yeah. 85 million is the estimated demolition cost, uh, which has been inflated. And this is why it's been flagged. Um, but it is originally uh, earmarked to cost 69 million. Uh, so even now, you know, where, again, you know, even though the story itself is quite sad, to add insult to injury, you know, we're inflating the costs to get rid of it. Um, so, but Tioko, there's one thing that really struck me in this piece, and that was that the, the piece goes on to, to mention that they are adjusting the budget in order to do this. Now, this, the, the, the article says that according to the department's adjusted budget for the 2021-2022 financial year, 400,000 Rand has been shifted from Program 3 to cater for the demolition of the stadium. Now, Program 3 is, a, is responsible for the libraries and archival services, um, which means that our children will continue to suffer without the necessary reading materials. So, I'm going to let you go ahead. It sounds like the ANC. It, it, it very much sounds like the ANC government. I, 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 let me assure you right now. Inside that 84 million rent, you'll find that there is money for a certain politician. There is money for friends and family members of a certain politician. Administrators at the very department that's handling the matter, the admin, the admin people themselves, permanent employees of the department have added their small share inside it. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. It's, it's, it's what's happening everywhere in the country, really. You find departments when there are events at departments and catering is needed. Cold drink that you would normally buy for around 12 rand being sold to a department for around 35 rand or for around 30 rand. Everything is being inflated just so comrades, friends of comrades, the ANC can chow. It's, it's nonsensical. It doesn't make logical sense that the government is going to spend so much to demolish uh, the stadium and then and, and put a fence around it. We could, like Sholen has already said, build a new sta- build even two stadiums out of that money. But more than anything, this is the ANC. There's, there's really nothing shocking. For me, when I read the article, I was just wondering, my only question was, how much extra did they add? Because mm-hmm. one thing for sure is that they always add. They, they are constantly mm-hmm. adding every time. Every time there's a tender, it doesn't matter at what level, whether they are building a national road, whether they are building a stadium, or whether it's just small catering for 10 people, stay mm-hmm. rest assured that they are going to add extra money that will benefit they are friends that will benefit them, that will benefit the ANC as an organization. Mm. Now we are moving ahead. Uh, 2024 is, is just around the corner. And we're going to see a lot of such stories because the ANC currently doesn't have money. Mm. Uh, they don't have enough money to pay their own workers. Uh, such things are going to happen. We're going to see a whole lot of projects taking place. I mean, just before local government elections, we saw almost in every part of South Africa roads being fixed, portals and everything. It wasn't just about a, 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 a delivering services towards elections so people could vote for them. It was also about them generating money for their election, uh, election mm-hmm. machine. Now, the ANC Congress is coming up in December. We must expect more of these things. That Congress must be funded by someone. And this is an organization of thugs. Mm. Stay rest assured, we are going to fund that Congress. 
tenders, everything is going to happen like this for the rest of this year. We are going to find that Congress. There's there's nothing unusual here. It's it's their normal practice. They are corrupt to yep. the very core. Tiego, if I can add real quick, Alex, that's an important point Tiego raised about the fact that since the ANC know that the end is coming, um, they will be trying to milk the state money as much as they possibly can because it will probably be the last opportunity to do so. And I just think it speaks to the fact that an animal is most dangerous when it's busy dying because then it's trying, it's on guard, it's know it's in this coming and it's trying to protect what resources it has left as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a classic case, but I think this story really does illuminate when we speak about you know, policy proposals such as school vouchers, it really is taking money out of the hands of politicians and giving it to communities. And I think that is, this really shows, you know, here they're taking, not only are they, I think to understand the process of tenders and irregular expenditure is very straightforward. And we, we understand that, but at least we know that there are ideas out there that can work to work around this. Now this, this relates to a stadium but it can be easily applied to another system because now that 400,000 Rand that's being taken away from the library services and la literally last week we spoke about uh, libraries in the Eastern Capes that are in the Eastern Cape rather that has, that have been ransacked. Um, and this is really just one way the vo a voucher system um, is one way that we can ensure accountability um, and service delivery for communities across the country. Now, what I would just want to touch on, just to sort of just link the story back to some other um, uh, examples, was that last year there was the case of the Leiseton, uh sports field in the Inokim Gijima municipality in the Eastern Cape. Um, now, I actually just saw now that the, the municipality itself has just gone under administration um, together with Mangaung. Um, but this, this stadium cost 15 million rand. It was originally budgeted at 22. They only spent seven and now eight million's gone. Absolutely nowhere. You don't know where it is. But really, this is small fry. It's a much bigger problem. Um, and, you know, I think it kind of it speaks for itself. It speaks for itself um, but there's nothing new there. I think what you must remember is that there are policy solutions out there that can enhance accountability. Um, so the last thing before we just, just move on to our last story um, is I just want to flight this video for I'm actually going to scrub through a little bit uh, than what I initially intended. Um, and this is so this the story from the Eastern Cape was uh, flagged last year, October. Um, but I'm just going to share a video for a few for a few seconds on how what it looks like now. So, you know, this is the grand unveiling. Um, now, obviously, it's the end of the end of the spectrum. You know, the other story talks about demolition. This talks supposedly about building. Um, so let's just have a watch. This is taken, uh, this is about two, two weeks ago. So let's see what this stadium currently on screen uh, now looks like. In August of last year, pictures of the now infamous Lacerton sports facility in the Eastern Cape went viral. Our team had visited the stadium with its inflated 15 million rand price tag. And now a preliminary report has concluded that the procurement process and the awarding of the tender was marred by numerous irregularities. Our senior reporter, that's Avi Wimdela, is at the stadium. He joins me now. Avi, good morning to you, a colleague. When you brought the story to ENCA, it's one that, of course, blew the country into shockwave. It did not look look like a stadium that equated to the amount spent and now we do have confirmation that there was irregular expenditure there. 
Certainly, Dumela, we're back at the 15 million rand Laserton sports facility at the Enoch Mkijima local municipality in Queenstown. And you remember the shocking visuals that we brought to you of what 15 million rand is supposed to look like. I'm going to ask my brilliant colleague, Naban Tanganiso, to show you once more um, how it looks since October last year, since we've been here. You remember there were even uh, lines. That's cool. That yeah, I think, so I think we, we, we generally get, get the points. But I think the one thing just to sort of bear in mind, and Tiejo has touched on this, is you know, corruption is a symptom, not necessarily the problem. Um, and let's let's bear that in mind. Think about that uh, when you head to the polls and hope or if you don't head to the polls, hopefully this kind of thing can actually encourage you to do just that. So, guys, just heading on to our, our, our second story for today. Um, very different. Um, but I th again, you know, we're touching on what the impact is of uh, bad government decision making now. Seven Rand for a pack of cigarettes. This story comes from the citizen. Authorities are losing the fight against illegal cigarettes. Who could have thought this would happen after banning a uh, legal substance during the lockdown? Um, Tiako, what are your thoughts? I think two issues are at play here. Um, issue number one is that our taxes are simply high as a country, like I always mentioned, right? And as a result of that, obviously, cigarettes and other products become more expensive. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened when cigarettes were banned by Minister Nkosazana Tlamini Zuma and uh, the Ramaphosa cabinet was that illegal cigarettes started to be sold quite openly in the country. I mean, illegal cigarettes have always been sold. You go to your spaza shops in townships, you go to your spaza shops in rural areas, illegal cigarettes have always been there, but they haven't always been popular. But now with what happened in 2020, the lockdown, people then began to realize that, hey, actually this is a cigarette and it's smokable and it's cheaper. And a lot of people are now buying those illegal cigarettes. I have such a friend in Grahamstown who never used to smoke these illegal cigarettes, but he now smokes the illegal cigarettes because one, they are easily accessible to him. He stays in the location. They are always around. Two, they are quite cheap because they are not even being taxed. So I think I think lockdowns have, 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 have caused many problems for us. And this is one of the problems that they have caused for us. Mm. But high taxes as well are, 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 are really allowing for this thing to continue because those products that are being sold legally are being taxed with high taxes the prices have become too high people end up going for 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 the illegal ones that are cheaper so in 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 part of how we could deal with the matter i think is that of course uh, in terms of the policing the the, the the whole cigarette industry we could improve at that but taxes as well i mean it's 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 it's, it's not surprising that this, this, it's no surprise at all, sorry, that the cigarettes are selling like hot buns. They, they are quite cheap. And, and, and in the economy that we are in, people can afford this and will end up buying this. So perhaps we should really start looking at this thing of high taxes that are causing uh, prices of products to be too high. People end up doing this. Criminality ends up excelling in a country when people can no longer afford products because the government keeps on interfering and interfering. And increasing taxes for no reason mm. i think i think uh Sherlin, the one thing here is that the problem is that the tax as we see with the previous story is that the tax that's being used isn't going to where it should be and therefore it creates this this resent well resentment from from the populace that 
you know, the, the money is, tax is fine if it's getting used to help the people who paid it in the first place. And obviously in South Africa, we've got a very small tax base that ultimately yeah. supports um, the, the country. Um, but I think, you know, at play, like Tiago mentions, is that when you, when you have uh, black market products freely, uh, well, not freely available, but much cheaper undercutting the, the legal market, you know, 75% youth unemployment, you know, no one's going to go and spend whatever, 25, 35 rand for a box of cigarettes when you can get it at a quarter of the price. But I think, um, you know, at play, at, at play here really is just a lack of an accountable government. Um, surely, you know, is that something people should be, how can, you know, when, when, when you try and we speak about a lot about Empower, Build, Connect, how can we think about this kind of issue? Um, how can people react to it to try and ensure that there is essentially accountability, tax justice, um, when it seems like everything is kind of crumbling around us? Yeah, firstly, when government policy, like, you know, like the lockdowns and um, things like heavy tax burden, make it so that people to honorably trade in the free market, um, the, the, they are bound to turn away from that and pursue illegal means of making ends meet. That's that's the unfortunate truth. And now people even sell these products so cheaply just so that they don't pay tax. And in my opinion, that's a complete own goal for the government because the government are dependent on the taxes that we pay. And if you make it so high, people cannot pay it. And therefore, the government cannot fully be funded which is an own goal in every sense of the word. I guess it's, it's only an it, own goal if if they're not themselves directing from these illegal sales, right? But I'm not, yeah. I'm not just saying. And what we should actually do is we should actually be keeping them accountable by the most powerful way ever, which is through a vote. Because if the people you put into power, the people you elect to parliament, those are the people who vote for taxes to rise or go, or go down. And they actually vote for policies that impact things like inflation. You know, when you make it difficult and when you are so even when the free market is so heavily regulated, obviously taxes will have to rise. Um, prices of goods will inflate, unfortunately. That's why the simple thing is you actually just need to empower um, the individual's who make the proper policy decisions um, in our government and will actually have the power to do so because of their position. That's mm. the most important way I think we can keep them accountable. Mm. I think it's certainly certainly the, the most important, um, but it's certainly not the only way. Obviously, I think it's it's important to to be on guard, you know, watch what civil society is, do, is doing. Um, you know, if you don't push back against bad ideas, then you allow them to flourish. And so I think being... You know, if politically you don't want to be involved, uh, if you're not so keen on the ballot box, you know, look at other methods of making your voice heard, support organizations that do that. FAN is fighting for your freedom. Uh, we've, we've got campaigns for your freedom to play, to earn, and to lead. So if ever you feel disempowered, turn to us, drop us a note, slide into our DMs at Badger of Liberty, and we will see what we can do, even if it is for now talking about it, making you guys apparent, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes to, to make sure uh, that your freedom is fought for. So um, 
I think we're going to leave it over there. But I think before we before we wrap up, I might end off with the, with a little video. But Tiago, you are upstaging us with your outfit today. Um, do you want to just tell us a little bit about it? You know, you, in the conception of a, of a classical liberal, um, I don't think John, uh, well, like John Mil Mil Milton and those sort of guys would have envisioned uh, your regalia. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, outside the work I do at FAN and outside being politically active, I happen to be a traditional healer. And that's why you see me today dressed in the stuff that I'm dressed with. This, this is not just an out, outfit, by the way. There are herbs that are inside the stuff, herbs for protecting, herbs for helping me connect with energy and everything. But I must agree with you that it's, 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 it's not a normal thing to, to, to bump into a classical liberal who is a Sangoma, you know? Normally, your, your, your traditional healers tend to take the Pan-Africanist route because the Pan-Africanist route seems to be the, the, the one ideology that, 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 that stands for, 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 for that, that supports um, 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 traditional healers and everything. But in reality, there's no ideology that's for traditional healers more than the classical liberal school of thought. It allows me to do my work, how I do it, wherever I do it, so long as I don't harm the next person. So really, it's, it's, it's the most open um, school of thought to, to, to traditional healers, mm. if you were to ask me. And yeah, I am here today wearing this. Mm. No, absolutely. I think it's great. I think, Sholem, just to, just to finish off the show, I think one thing, one, as Sierko says, you know, it's, it's about the individuals being able to practice, uh, you know, their own uh, spirituality, their own faith, their own religion. Um, and I, th I guess in part, you know, when, when we speak about why democracy is worth fighting for, um, why free societies, why freedom of speech is so important. Um, I think, you know, just in, in what Tiago has just said now about practicing his faith um, speaks directly to that. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's one of my favorite things about like the liberal tradition, obviously in the, in the classical sense, is that it allows you to have the ability to, to practice the, the faith you want, the religion you want, or the beliefs you want, um, despite um, what another person's opinion might be of it. You know what I mean? And with as long as you are not um, causing harm to another individual in their pursuit of um, attempting to practice their beliefs, um, you are free to do so. And that's what I find so beautiful for the fact that somebody from my background um, all the way from Cape Town on the Cape Flats, um, who's a Christian, Alex, who has um, Jewish heritage and, you know, is all the way from Hakeng, and to you, who is a tradition leader, coming all the way from Limpopo, are still able to come around the table and have a common um, vision and view and perspective of the world. And we are so freely able to disagree with another in such a respectable way when it comes up. That is literally the beauty of classical liberalism. And I'm yet to see another ideological position allow that same type of freedom. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I, I absolutely love what Shalina said there. And, and, yeah. and, and I can't help but say that I think this 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 reflects real diversity, right? Mm. Uh, yes. The diversity is not a matter of skin color and whatnot and whatnot alone. It's it's a whole lot of things. Religion, 
language, culture, whatnots and whatnots and whatnots. And so mm -hmm. classical liberalism embraces our differences and 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 we work like this happily so with, with our differences yet under one banner yeah absolutely and i think i think that's one thing we need to think about you know when you get diversity trainers going into corporate businesses to try and diversify companies and uh, you got to ask what sort of diversity are they looking for is it diversity of thought or is it uh, what what exactly is it that that they seek um mm. But I think that's a whole conversation for another day. But Jens, thank you so much. I think now, I think what Mbali has lined up for us could could get a little a little heated. So uh, without further ado, guys, remember you can follow Fan at Badge of Liberty on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, as well as Instagram. Uh, and on that note, next up is Burning Questions with Mbali. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Burning Questions, aka the Diversity Club, as you guys are saying. <laughs> Jokes. Um, okay, guys, so today we are discussing a very interesting code card. And yeah, I would just like to say you guys can be free, you know, say what you want to say. You know. This is a, you know, free space. So, guys, our code card this week comes from Upumlani uh, Majosi. And it reads, BEE must be scraped. We mustn't have more of it. That's if we are serious about fixing South Africa. Guys, I think this is very straightforward. Um, I'm going to go straight to the comments unless there's someone who wants to say something about this particular statement. Well, well I would say that I, I completely agree with, 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 with what Pumlani says. Um, part of the problem that BEE has created is that we find many people in SOEs, in departments, and, and stuff of that nature, employees of departments, employees of SOEs, who were hired on the basis of their race as opposed to being hired on the basis of their merit. And as a, as a result of that, the South African administration is failing. Now, in order for the South African administration to excel, we need to go back to, 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 to a merit system whereby we prioritize people's merits, what they have to offer their skills before anything else and hire people based simply on that. But this thing of hiring people as, as a form of empowerment because previously we were disadvantaged and all of that, the intentions are understood, but the consequences unfortunately is that we have a failing administration most for the most part because we have a lot of incompetent people hired on the basis of of, 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 of of an empowerment program and yeah it's really causing many problems for us so we have problems in politics but we have deep even deeper problems at the administration level caused by yeah, the yeah definitely uh with that said let's uh go right straight into the first comment this comment is from Ivon Daba, and he's very, yeah, let's go. One day, we'll know who is using you, Pumlani Majosi, because it's clear that you're working for 
white monopoly. It can't be a black person who's taking out what is designed to uplift black people. Surely someone white is behind you. Oh, uh, yeah, I think Ms. Gandava lost his plot a bit, but um, let's go. Uh, Sholin, you can go first. Yeah, I have to say, one of the most racist things you could possibly say is that just because a black person does not think um, like you, they must, for some reason, be controlled by the boogeyman white man in the background. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, <laughs> Pumlani is by far one of the most brilliant thinkers um, in South African um, politics. Um, why is not a politician? I don't understand. Um, and maybe that's why he's such a brilliant thinker, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's really such a free thinker. And his, and his ideas around BE and the free market economy is so, so into, like, it's so in-depth that I feel like we should be listening more to the Pumlani Majorsis of mm. South Africa. And I feel yeah. like he breaks a barrier to say that, you know what, people believing that, you know what, you should have the freedom to earn the way you want. You should have the freedom to learn how and where you would like to. Just because people think that does not mean that they are controlled by whatever boogeyman you want to create behind the scenes. Yeah. He yeah. is actually advocating for the freedom of people. And that should yeah. not be controversial. Because it's like saying that just that not believing in free freedom is some sort of controversial thing when it's such an essence of of humans to want freedom. Yeah. So I feel, yeah, Mpumani is, is absolutely correct with the fact that we should scrap EE. Yeah, and I think with, with what um, Ivo is saying, he's basically saying black people aren't actually allowed to have such ideas. Black people aren't allowed to have such thoughts, which is very dangerous, you know. I think people are yeah, here, but those who say, it is, who say we're the clever blacks. The minute you start speaking about the economy, mm. you start sharing your politics, mm. like, oh, you are the clever black. Mr. Alex, what mm. do you think? Yeah, I think the the one thing is, I mean, yeah, 100%. I think there's nothing more demeaning than the sort of clever blacks coconut argument. Um, mm. But I, my one comment, I have two comments. The one is judge a policy on its outcomes, not its intention. Has mm. BE worked? No. Cool. Get rid of it. Replace it with something that works. If you want to uplift black people, grow the economy. You do, don't do that with, with BEE. Um, you do that with an economy that grows. You do that when people are in work. We have almost 50% of adults without a job yeah. that that will uplift everybody as well as black people in the process. So, um, yeah, that would be my, my two cents worth. Yeah. Okay. And let us go to the second comment. Um, this one is from Smooth David and I, I don't really understand it. Maybe you guys can help me out. So it reads, so you want to tell me that we need to be equal to people who already or had who already have or have had the money while we have nothing. Uyanya. Uyanya is a very <laughs> I'm not gonna translate. Um so the people he's talking about here, I would like to assume that he's talking about white people. Um I don't know if I become correct. Uh Diego, I'll give this one to you. What do you think about Zbu's response to this code card? Well, I think Zbu must stop being a lazy thinker. No, well, well he, first and foremost, he is, he is making assumptions, right? He is mm. assuming that by saying that we should scrap BE, we are then saying that they should 
be no form of empowerment. But that, yeah. that's that's not what been, what's been said. So really, boom must stop being a lazy thinker. Start thinking critically about these matters. Understand that 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 that, that someone wouldn't just say such a thing. He must he must at least try and go read up on this person. Uh, go and read up Pumlani's work. What what his argument is, and 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 yeah, he can't he can't make such a judgment based just on a code. And yeah. I'm sorry for not. Yeah, I'm sorry for being all over the place. But really, I think this this these comments are quite insane, and they 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 really point to people who are simply lazy to think and people who jump to conclusions without understanding what's being said first and people who who are more interested in in in, in dealing with someone's character over yeah. uh, uh, the content that's been put forward i mean pumlani yeah. made pumlani makes a suggestion or, or, or mm. says that we must prep away be so south africa can move forward yeah. instead of engaging what pumlani puts forward they attack is correct. I think it's nonsensical yeah. and I think it's something that yeah shouldn't be tolerated. Yeah, definitely. Um, Alex, I think uh, you mentioned that um, if PE office is not working, it must get scraped and we must mm. replace it with something that will work. Why do you think we should replace PEE with? Yeah, so I think ultimately a program that doesn't use race as a criteria for, for mm. empowerment. So uh, yeah. The Institute of Race Relations had come up with a policy called EED, which stands for Empowerment of the Economically Disadvantaged. So that mm -hmm. takes, no, now, if, you know, if we talk about like what is, what is Wu and Ivor want is to uplift people, then mm -hmm. we need to uplift those who have less. And ultimately yeah. what you want to reduce, what you want to do is reduce poverty. And mm -hmm. EED um, does that through empowering, it, if, for example, uh, B legislation says you must have uh, X amount of people of a certain race, um, mm -hmm. EED would say you need to have a certain amount of people who earn, whose household is earns less than 20,000 Rand in a month or whatever it is. Those kind of things, those kind of incentives to businesses um, to really empower people, but still not taking away the idea of merit. You know, you want to give people opportunities yeah. who then can take their families um, out of out of poverty. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sholen, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I do not want to add a last point, which is that the the insulting part I also find about the comments um, is that uh, there has this assumption that all poor, all black people are poor, helpless, and waiting for a government handout. Like mm -hmm. that is the most um, most insulting um, idea that these comments actually present. Because what yeah. we actually see is that the like. Policies like BE, although it sounds nice named Black Economic Empowerment, what it actually only does is enrich a small, connected, politically connect, connected elite who are, you know, connected to the likes of the ANC um, leaders and those in government departments. That's what actually benefits. So if yeah. you actually want to say, who does BE actually hurt the most? It's actually the truly disadvantaged poor yeah. Black individuals that yeah. actually unfortunately exists in South Africa due to government policy. Yeah, no, definitely. I hope Mr. Ndlava heard that. We are not uplifting any ordinary yeah. black person. <laughs> Ali, can mm -hmm. I be, uh, can I just crash, crash your, your, your vibe here? But I think the one sure. thing is that what that can also lead to, like in the example Tiago has cited, you, you know, you can apply the same, you know, diversity, 
criteria to position like i know when i applied for jobs leaving varsity you some jobs you just knew like there's no point applying for this there's a oh. very strong like transformation agenda here mm. now the problem is that south africa competes with the rest of the world so some i wouldn't be surprised if someone like Tiago's friend end up ends up in going working on a mine in australia or somewhere mm. else where they will take someone because he was the best and that's mm. every everyone loses when you yeah. undermine merit, everyone loses. Yeah. That is true. That and is the true. other thing, the other thing, when the whole DE thing started, it benefited politicians, but most of the politicians that it benefited, um, if you look at them, really, it's people who, even during apartheid, yes, apartheid was bad, yes, apartheid discriminated against black people, but the reality of the matter is that even during apartheid, uh, black people had different economic classes, right? Even during apartheid, you had black people who were absolutely poor, black people who were poor, black people who were of the middle class, people, black people who were of the upper class. Now, someone like Dr. Mampila Rampele, uh, who, whose parents, the father was a principal, I think the mother was a teacher, if I remember correctly, from, from, from the head books that I've read before. The mother was a teacher, the father was a principal. Now, yes, she's black, but when the empowerment system came, came in, it empowered people such as Dr. Mampela Rampela first, whereas the whole intention of the thing was that it must first and foremost empower people in shacks, empower people yeah. in mud houses, empower yeah. people who still have to go to schools with pit toilets and everything. So from the very start of this policy, it, ha it has yeah. never, although its intentions are right, from the very start, yeah. it has never succeeded. It has empowered the wrong people. And that's why we are calling for you to, 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 to be scrapped and now we are calling for, for, for an empowerment system that focuses on class, that empowers yeah. people on the basis of class. We know that yeah. the poorest of the poor are the people we need to empower. Those are the people who are struggling the most. It's not mm -hmm. their skin color that makes them poor. Skin yeah. color is not a proxy. It's, uh, skin color is not a proxy for, 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 for your economic standing, right? Mm. And that, that is the very argument we're making here. And, and, and that's why it makes me so upset for someone to come and throw shade at, at, at someone like yeah. when they make such an argument and say that there's a white person standing behind them. No, 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 no. These are issues that are mm -hmm. affecting, are in fact affecting the poorest of the poor, majority of whom happen to be black. And yeah. those are the people that people like Pumlani, like myself, like Alex, like Sholen, like yourself are, are speaking for when we do want these policies to be scrapped. Yeah, no, definitely. Preach, Mr. DFO. I don't know whether you still a Sangoma or your pastor. I don't know which one. <laughs> the previous show, I've heard that you're a bit of a, you know. Anyway, guys, let's go to our last comment. And um, this one comes from Pet Heads, or Andy Treats. And the, ma the majority of South Africans sees nothing wrong with it. People need to see life through the eyes of an economist, not this nonsense sung by ANC and EFF Damna cases, with aspirations of socialist and communism. Finally, I think someone will speak some sense. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Sholen, um, you can go first. Yeah, um, I'll be short. I agree with Shibeko um, that, you know what, a majority of South Africans do not benefit from BE, unfortunately, as we've mentioned um, mm -hmm. multiple times now. And I'm like, we really have to see that, you know, the biggest beneficiaries or the ANC and if, if there's a reason why they are so happy with keeping it in place and wanting it yep. um, 
implemented, amended, and extended <laughs> um, mm. because eventually it takes them to a more socialist um, society in South Africa where the state controls the economy and the state is supposedly the, the center of um, life, economic or social. And we know that that does not work. Throughout the world, we've had a lot of examples that free market economies with limited governments and we respect human rights, those are countries that thrive. But socialist and communist um, regimes continue to fall. Um, and that's why we see that it does simply not work. Yamba. It, it honestly does not work. Um, Alex, your last thoughts? Yeah, my, my final thoughts are that, um, you know, just in these three comments, I would assume that, like, going on the assumption that they are all people of color, shows that you get diversity of thought. So why would you apply yep. a policy to people when you're looking to empower people based on race. And, and the, the thing is that, as Sherlin says, you know, the, the, this uh, potential does reference socialism and communism. The guy in the, com in the comment before said, oh, why are we looking for equality uh, when people had an advantage? We're not looking for equality. We're looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what a, what a free society enables people to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely side, side with that, that last uh, comment. But I think this is the kind of thing... This kind of drills into what we were also discussing in Freedom Fanatics is the idea mm -hmm. of look at this, look at the symptoms and the causes. The causes yeah. is this ideology um, of socialism, of communism that that is at the heart of the NDR, which guides the governing party, the ANC. And so, then these are kind of things that people need to be thinking about. But these are only possible when we have discussions and mm -hmm. a free. Uh, market of ideas to talk about these yeah. things and to push back and as we have done and just what we think are bad ideas based on the merits of the argument yeah no definitely uh mr Diego, final thoughts you know ordinarily i would agree with, with the last comment that uh, people need to start thinking like economists but then i remembered that i i studied economics at Rhodes. And one of the economics uh, lecturers is basically a socialist who, who's teaching every economics uh, student uh, socialism. His name is David Fryer. His PhD thesis was rejected and he is now basically teaching that very thesis. It's really a Marxist thesis, that thing. He's teaching, he's teaching it as an economics module, something that mm -hmm. was rejected. So I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't advise the young to really listen to economists, but we must really start thinking Thoroughly around 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 policies, whichever policy we, we, we would like Alex has mentioned, what matters as far as policies are concerned would be the outcome of the policy over what the intentions of it are. So people should really start thinking about the outcomes of these policies, even though the intention of BE, for example, might have been good, which I suspect is not good. Uh, I'm beginning to have this suspicions. I'm beginning to have this suspicion, I'm beginning to be suspicious that actually the African National Congress, even when they were fighting apartheid, the fight was never to, to, to build a fair and, 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 and a fair society, but for them to step into that place and be the ones who are benefiting from it. I'm becoming convinced that that is the case. But let, let's just say for argument's sake that, that the intention Vela Vela was to empower people, the intention yeah. was good, and the intentions were good and everything, Unfortunately, intentions don't 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 give us policy don't give us policy outcomes. Policy yeah. outcomes come out of what's practical. We should start thinking about 
uh, practical solutions to 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 our problems and and, and stop with this whole thing of of, of 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 wanting to sound clever even in cases that we mustn't be sounding clever sure hectic guys i think we've come to the end of our show thank you so much um alex diego and sholen um yeah we'll catch you guys next week same time same place and yeah bye